0: Well, God, we pray uh, today that you would speak to us through, your, uh, through this section of Scripture. God, I pray that we could just apply it to us. I know that uh, the reality is a lot of us face fears and struggles. We face difficulties that sometimes we allow fear to overwhelm us. And so, God, I pray that you would just speak to us through your uh, through your word. I pray that this story, this narrative, the, the truth of the, the, the birth narrative would be something that we can apply to our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to uh, encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we're going to be starting in verse 8. And, and while you're getting there, I want to ask you this question. I want you to think about it. What is it, uh, if you were to identify, what would you say is the top things that keep people or, or that people fear, I should say. What is it that, that people fear the most in our lives? What is it that, that we allow uh, to lead us into a, a, a place of fear? Hey, Ethan, can you turn on the lights, Bubba? Um, we, we, need to, we need to understand that fear is a common thing, Right? I mean, when, it, when we deal with fear, what is it that, that draws us or leads us into uh, uh, fearful situations or fearful settings? And, and I, as I was preparing for this week's sermon, uh, I looked up what, what is identified as the top 10 strongest human fears. All right, and I believe in some way, shape, or form, one of these, maybe two of these, or maybe there's even more, would be something you would say, "Hey, this has led me into fearful situations." Number one, the the, the strongest human fear, or the thing that that pushes people into fear, is the fear of failure. That we're afraid that we're going to fail at something, so we allow it to stop us. In other words, to not even attempt. As a matter of fact, that may be a situation or setting in your life. You would say, the fear of failure has stopped me from doing things because I'm worried I'm going to fail at it. Number two, and, and this is something I think we would all say in some way, shape, or form that people deal with, the fear of death. That the more I do funerals and the more I've been around people, when, when it comes down to it, the fear of death becomes something real. As a matter of fact, if, if we were to sit down and talk about death or, or the, the issues with death that come along, most of us in some way, shape, or form would say we're fearful of it. Maybe you're not afraid of dying, but maybe you're afraid of what would happen if you died to your family or what would happen to your uh, your, your your, the, the, your wife and your kids and things like that, what's, what's, what's going to be a result of the loneliness that they're going to face? So the fear of death is one of those things. I'm going to read the rest of them. The fear of rejection or ridicule was number four. Loneliness, a lot of times we'll make decisions based upon we don't want to have that fear of loneliness. Misery, disappointment, pain fear of the unknown, and then number 10, the top 10 strongest human fears, fear of losing your freedom. All of those things tend to kind of grip us or take hold of us in some way, shape, or form. As a matter of fact, fear grips the hearts of many people, famous and infamous Rich and poor, educated, uneducated, young and old. And I'm sure if everyone is honest here today, there's something in your life that in some way, shape, or form brings fear, brings worry, or brings discouragement and doubt within your heart. And so if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter two, and we're gonna address or look at this idea of fear. A matter of fact, the sermon uh, title, I, as a matter of fact, I, I kind of shortened it because I think it's just something that goes on is the whole idea of fear not. All right, listen to Luke chapter two, starting in verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby and they're keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And it says they were what? Terrified, all right? Now, I wanna ask you this question. When was the last time you would sit back and you'd say, I was absolutely Terrified. Maybe you were mortified over something. Maybe it's something that in your life maybe terrified you because I'm sitting here kind of linking, trying to think through my life of a point in time where I was just absolutely terrified and and I can't think of one. And and I'm not trying to say that. There are points and times where I was fearful of things, but I wasn't like terrified. Like I, I think of this whole idea of terrified means I am frozen in my tracks, can't do anything, can't move forward, Terrified. Right? Or, or, you know, in the past we would say we were mortified to do something. We were scared to death of it. And this idea comes across and it says that they were terrified. And listen to what happens in verse 10. But the angel said to them, Do not what? Do not be afraid. As a matter of fact, in the King James Version it says, Fear not. That's where we get the the, the title from is this idea of fear not. All right, so this angel shows up, the glory of the Lord shows around him. Jesus is getting ready to be born. He shows up to shepherds and they're afraid and the angel basically tells him, fear not. And this is why, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for. All people, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And so here's really what I wanted to do today. When we talk about the miracle of Christmas, and we, we, we talked about the birth of Jesus, born of a virgin, you know, uh, born in a manger, fulfilling all the prophecies. Last week, we, we talked about a, a different issue subject. Today, we're going to be talking about fear, and tomorrow, we're going to talk about, or I mean, next week, we're going to talk about this idea of peace. But I want to ask you this question, when we talk about fear or fear not, I want to ask you this whole idea, why do you deal, why do I deal with, why do we struggle with fear? And you don't have to answer it, well, you can't answer it, but you don't have to answer it, I just want to ask you, why do we struggle with fear? Put it in your mind, begin to process that, all right? Because I think a lot of times there are good intentions behind why we deal with fear, there are great desires behind why we deal with fear. But the truth of the matter is that most of us deal with fear more or less because we struggle with our own insecurities rather than anything else. Matter of fact, as we dealt with this, or if we're honest, like I said, most of us would understand or acknowledge in some way, shape, or form, fear, worry, and discouragement lead us down the road of doubt and struggle, right? Right? Matter of fact, in 1933, or in his 1933 inaugural address to the nation, President Roosevelt gave his stirring speech, which is popular and famous, to a nation who was in the depth of the greatest depression it had ever faced and was dealing with some of the worst situations the nation has ever dealt with. Financial, As well as family and everything else. People were dying, people were losing money, people couldn't make ends meet, people were starving to death. There were all kinds of things that were ravaging the country. And he says, This, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. It's like this famous quote that, that is known throughout humanity and throughout history, and at least in the United States. But listen to the rest of what he says. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed effort to convert retreat into advance. This whole idea of being frozen in fear and what I look at today when I look at this section of scripture and we're jumping into this whole idea of fear not is the, the truth of the matter that the shepherds have every reason to be afraid, but yet at the same time to understand and acknowledge that we can't let fear freeze us in our tracks. And so when we look at this, I believe that there are two kinds of fear we see throughout scripture: there's negative fear and there's positive fear. The positive fear, and I and I, I warrant I say even in scripture or in in life, positive fear is things like this. Hey. That's a rattlesnake. I don't play with that, right? Like like I'm not gonna walk up to a rattlesnake or a copperhead and be like, hey, let's play with the snake. No, it's, that's a positive fear or a positive fear. I'm, I'm 10 stories up on the roof of a building and I'm looking over. The positive fear is what? Yeah, don't jump, right? That's a good positive fear, you're, you're right? But negative fear Negative fear are the things that we allow. Matter of fact, scripture calls it what we, what we would call the spirit of timidity, all right? Or the spirit of fear that takes place in scripture where we allow the outside influences of things, maybe, maybe it's people, maybe it's worldly situations, maybe it's things like that. We allow those outside situations and circumstances to lead us into a position where we're frozen in fear and we don't follow what God wants us to do. And so today, as we jump in and look at this, I wanna look at it from this way because we have to understand this. Positive fear in scripture is what God or what the Bible calls the the fear of God. Matter of fact, Proverbs chapter one, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so a lot of people sometimes will say, well, look, so they obviously had this healthy fear of God because that's why they're afraid. All right? And we're gonna unpack just a little bit about more about how the shepherds became afraid. But I want you to understand this, that there is this whole idea of a spirit of fear, a paralyzing uh, fear that Satan wants to use in the life of every person here today. And I know we've talked about this. I've, I've kind of made mention of it in the past, but I have no doubt and no, uh, no doubt whatsoever that what's going on in our society Especially in American culture and society, whether it's the fear of the political system, whether Republican or Democrat, Republicans got their fears, Democrats got their fears, and we just scare the bejesus out of everybody because we're trying to sell them this idea. Remember the fear number 10, the fear of a loss of freedom, right? Right? But what we end up doing is we allow fear to paralyze us and not move us forward. And I believe that that's just as true in Christians and non-Christians. It's just as true in churches, that churches will allow the fear of moving forward to paralyze them and not move forward into what God's called them to do. That's why so many churches are plateaued and declining. Because we're not willing sometimes to make the decisions and the struggles, the difficulties to do what we have to do to change, but rather it's easier to hold on. So here's the big statement or the idea that I want you to remember. Number one is this, or the main point. Fear is a result of believing what others say about us and not God's good news. Did you hear that? Fear is the result of believing what others say about us and not God's good news. Okay? Okay? That's literally what we're gonna see here. Fear is a result of what others say about us. And you may ask that question, well, how does this got anything to do with what others say about us? And I wanna jump into just this idea and I'm gonna ask this question. Why should I fear not? Why should I fear not? And here's number one, Jesus, because Jesus is for all people. Listen to what happens in this section of scripture. It says there were shepherds living out in their fields, right? Okay, so it says literally, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby and they were watching over their flocks at night. What is so significant about a shepherd? What's so significant about a shepherd is the simple fact that a shepherd was a common, ordinary, everyday person that in reality was looked at as a low life. They worked all the time. They were around sheep all the time. They smelled, a matter of fact, as I was studying and reading through this, one of the things that, that, that most shepherds had to deal with, if you know anything about the law, the law said you keep your what? Your Sabbath rest. In other words, you keep the Sabbath, keep it holy, don't violate it. Guess what shepherds didn't have the freedom to do? Keep the law. Why? Because they had to watch their sheep, which by religious rules and guidelines, they were then violating because they didn't take any time off. And so what we end up seeing is all throughout scripture and all throughout the reality of history is that shepherds were considered lowlifes. They were unclean. When Jesus was living, it was common for people, and I want you to see what happens here, but when Jesus was living, it was common for people to pay somebody to herald the good news about their their child being born. And so here comes this angel It's gonna herald the good news of, of this child being born, and it goes and tells people. And what they would do is they would tell like, high-level people, hey, such-and-such had a baby, and they would announce it to everybody. So this angel shows up, but who does it show up to? Does it show up to kings? Does it show up to the religious people? No, the angel shows up to shepherds. Remember, the lowlifes. the the people who aren't accepted. And so God sends an angel to herald the good news. And instead of going to the ritual elite, he goes to these people. And shepherds, we said, were disrespected. They were low. They were rejected by many leaders. And as a result, and here's what I want you to understand, the reason why I say Jesus for all people, shepherds felt unworthy, shepherds felt inadequate spiritually, and shepherds felt unloved. Does that sound like something that goes on in our culture right now? That people feel unworthy, that people feel inadequate spiritually, and that people feel unloved. The reason why I believe that most people deal with fear in today's culture is those three things right there. I'm unworthy to accept God's good grace. I am spiritually inadequate. In other words, we look back at our past and we say, all of these things I did, there's no way God could ever forgive me. And then lastly, we always feel unloved people feel unloved consistently. And so the, 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 the shepherds would have dealt with that in a very simple way. They would have just avoided everybody. And that's exactly what goes on in our culture. I'll just step out of the way and I'll avoid. I'll deal with my depression. I'll deal with my doubt. I'll deal with my worry. I'll deal with my discouragement. I'll deal with my fear, all on my own. And as a result, we're frozen in fear. But the scripture is very clear that we shouldn't allow fear to mislead us. And I want you to think about this. Here's the beauty of this. Shepherds were looked down by religious people, right? Or they they were looked down upon by people in general, but even the religious leaders. What is Jesus called? He's the chief shepherd. What does Jesus call pastors or the leaders within the church? The under shepherds. Do you guys find something ironic about that? The very people who were, are, are worried who are, are 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 misled who feel inadequate the very few people who feel unloved are the very people that god's going to use in a great way jesus the chief shepherd is going to shepherd his his leaders but listen to me also in this he's going to shepherd his sheep which is who all of us and so why do we not have to fear why can we walk without fear we can walk without fear because Jesus is for you. He's not against you. Jesus is with you. He's not, a, he's not somebody who's gonna walk away and leave you alone. He is there for you. So he's for all people. Number one, why, why should we not fear? Because Jesus is for all people. Number two, and here's what I wanna jump into. The spirit of fear is not from God. Why should I fear not? Because the spirit of fear is not from God. Anytime you're afraid, now listen, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be afraid, okay? All right? But it's that I don't let the spirit of fear freeze me in my tracks, okay? We've all said, like, in some way, shape, or form, all of us in some way are afraid of something to a certain extent. We've got our fears and our worries. We're afraid about maybe our financial situation. We're afraid about our possible job situation. We're afraid about maybe some relational conflict. We're afraid about doing things. Matter of fact, we, we talk about this consistently, but it seems like people don't move forward out of fear more than anything else. We don't change because of fear more than anything else. And a spirit of fear is not from God. As a matter of fact, as I look at this, when we see what's going on and we see in verse nine, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Here's good reason to be afraid. You wanna know why? Because the term glory there, that same term where it's talking about glory is what we see throughout the Old Testament where we call it now the Shekinah glory, you guys ever heard that word, the Shekinah glory? It's the glory where God dwelt among his people. As a matter of fact, when they were carrying the ark and it was said that the, that the Shekinah glory would dwell on the ark when it was in the temple, all right? Why would they be afraid? Anybody know what happens when you're in the presence of God and you're unclean? Right? Old Testament, Old Testament adage, you're done for. If you went into the temple, the high priest would literally, they would tie a rope around the the high priest's ankle. And if the high priest had anything where he was unclean or inadequate, right? He would walk into the Holy of Holies area. And if he was unclean in any way, shape, or form, what would happen? He's going to die. And they tied that rope to him because if he passed or died, they were just going to pull him out. Why? Because they couldn't go in. And what we see all throughout scripture, so when we we look at this, it's literally this idea that the divine glory of God is showing around who? The shepherds. Now, don't get me wrong. We're sitting here talking about fear not, but if God's glory shows up while you're sitting there in the middle of the night going on, what's gonna happen? (laughs) Right? Especially if you know I'm unclean. Shepherds were considered unclean. I'm unclean, and the glory of God just showed up. An angel shows up, the glory of God's shining bright around them, and it says they're what? They're afraid. They're fearful. They're fearful of everything that is going to happen. They're fearful of the fact that they are in the dwelling place, in the settling of God. and, And and. as I, as I studied this, the Shekinah glorious is shown around him. The English translation of the Hebrew word or meaning literally means the dwelling or settling and it denotes the dwelling or settling of the divine presence of God right there with his people. So when it talks about this spirit of God that, 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 that's hovering around or this, this uh, glory of God that's shown around him, there's a good reason for them to be terrified. But I want you to understand this, that what we see based upon what the angel says, is this, that the spirit of fear is not from God. And so maybe you're afraid of what's coming up. Maybe you're afraid of the circumstance you're in. Maybe you're afraid of the financial situation you're in. Maybe you're worried about the relational struggles you're having right now. And what we have to understand is the spirit of fear is not from God, but it's rather from the enemy. And so we go back to the main topic or the main thought, that fear is a result of believing what others say about us rather than the good news or God's, God's good news. So we allow fear to hold us back. See, they have every reason to be terrified. They're in the divine presence of God. Dirty, unworthy people didn't survive when they're in God's prayer presence, so they were terrified. Matter of fact, we get our word phobia, from the same word that we see terrified. And we got all kinds of phobias, don't we? You got your fear of heights, you got claustrophobia, you got, I mean, there's all kinds of phobias we can go down. Arachnophobia, right? My wife's like a spider freak. She's like, oh, it's like it's, like it's a tiny spider. I don't care, kill it, right? We've got all of those words of, of, of terrify that we get those ideas from, but I want you to understand there was great terror in these guys' lives. But just because you're afraid, listen, just because you're afraid doesn't mean you have to let fear control you. And so listen, and this is the good news about it, all right? Why should I fear not? Number one, we said because Jesus is for all people and he shows that through the shepherds. Number two, because the spirit of fear is not from God. And number three, because good news and great joy come from God. Good news and great joy come from God. Look at verse uh, uh, verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid or fear not. Why? What's it say? Because I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. We can go back to the all people, right back to Jesus is for all people. But I want you to understand what the reality of the story, the birth narrative of Jesus brings across. And that is that you have good news and great joy. Now, listen, I understand what's going on, but here is the struggle that oftentimes we have to learn to deal with. We allow fear to control every decision we make in our lives and not the joy of the good news. We're afraid to do things Because we're afraid that we're gonna screw it up rather than just being obedient to what God has called us to do. So listen to what he's saying again. Fear is a result of believing what others say about us and not God's good news. But when we believe good news, we don't allow fear to control our lives. Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Nobody. That I don't fear what's going to happen. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's Psalm 27, one. Consistently play that out. See, good news is simply that the Savior is born today. And that's what they're laying out. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. What's the good news? Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you and he is Christ the Lord. The beauty of the birth narrative is simply this, that good news and great joy is for all people and it only comes from God. Because the simple fact is fear, rejection, inadequacy, unloving things, that all comes from everybody else. And one of the biggest things that I believe that we have bought in hook, line, and sinker is that everybody else speaks into my life. And as a result, I listen to everybody else and therefore I feel inadequate. Therefore, I feel spiritually unprepared, and therefore I feel unloved. Do you realize the lies that are leading us to believe or, or, or leading us to follow the fears that we allow into our lives? I'm reading a book right now called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's not a Christian book, so I'm not, but it's 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 all about money. But I want you to understand this. Most people in today's world allow money to control them rather than them to control money. In other words, I live within my means. I live within the very standards and boundaries I have so that I'm not a slave to a system. Do you know why we become a slave to a system? Because we're afraid. We feel inadequate. Well, I, I, I don't have the, 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 the same things that those people do. So we're trying to keep up with everybody else. When the reality is money is just a simple stewardship that God has given you that you don't have to have everything everybody else does. But we've got it in our mind that if I've got to keep up with the Joneses, I've got to be in debt with a new car. I got to be in debt with a house. I got to be in debt to school. One of the biggest lies of the world right now is that if you go into debt for your school that you're going to make more money in the end. And that's not true. You know how many teachers? I remember, I don't remember what it was. I was watching like Susie Orman one night. This has probably been three years ago. And there's a guy who went $200,000 in debt in school. And he stands up and he tells her, I just filed bankruptcy so that they'll forgive my student loans. And Susie Orman goes, what? You did what? You did what? He goes, yeah, my financial advisor recommended that I file for bankruptcy so that they would forget my student loans. She goes, you can't do that. They don't forgive your student loans. And I'm not joking. Grown man, looks like he's in mid-40s. Tears start pouring down his face. Why? Because he's afraid of the financial situation he got himself into. Because he was told if you go to school and get all this stuff done, you're gonna make more money when the reality is he let the money control him rather than dictating or making the wise decision to do something else. Good news and great joy come from God. And so I wanna wanna unpack this just very simply. I believe wholeheartedly humanity has nothing to fear when God moves in grace. And that's exactly what he does when he sends Jesus, that I don't have anything to fear when God moves with his grace, because when he sends us, he's sending us his grace. See, the good news doesn't culminate with the birth. The good news continues on through Jesus' life and his death, and as a result, his resurrection means we still have good news still today. That no matter what happens, no matter where I'm at financially or, or how inadequate I may feel based upon worldly standards, I don't have to be frozen in fear. Why? Because fear isn't going to be what's going to stop me. Obedience to what God has called me to do, that's what I'm going to focus on. Listen to these scriptures and we're going to wrap up with this. Regardless of where you are, regardless of what you have done, regardless of the so-called class that you fall in, Jesus is for you. And I want you to understand this because listen to Psalm 56.3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you when I'm afraid that you have my best interest, you have my best desires, you have everything in store for me. Isaiah 41, verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteousness right hand. Do you believe that? If you believe it, then don't be afraid. Don't let the spirit of fear mislead you. Isaiah 43 verse one. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you and I have summoned you by your name and you are mine. Listen to that's the same call that Jesus makes out to everybody else that I have redeemed you, I have bought you, I have purchased you, you are mine and you don't need to be afraid. Why? Because I am going to be there with you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's the promise of scripture that we see all throughout. And then we know this one, if you've heard it, you've probably heard it consistently, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 6 and 7. For this reason, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God. Fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And then verse seven, for the spirit of God, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So here's the beauty. You may feel unworthy, You may feel inadequate, you may feel unloved, but all of those things are not from God, but from the expectation of others. The work of Satan and the spiritual forces of evil around us. Anytime you get into a situation where there is fear and you are afraid and frozen in your tracks, you and I have to understand that that is not from God. He may give you wise decisions, so I'm gonna use the positive fear aspect, okay? Okay. Do I or don't I go into debt on this particular thing? Well, the question is, what's Bible say? The borrower is slave to what? The lender. So be wise in how you act. Positive fear is, I don't wanna be in debt. So let's do everything we can to avoid debt. Why? Because that's positive fear, all right? Negative fear would be this. Do or I, don't I be obedient to what God has called me to do in giving? The, the, the human characteristic is this. I only have so much money, God's gonna understand when I don't give. See, here's where the struggle and the rubber meets the road. And here's, here's oftentimes the problem. Over and over and over in scripture, scripture says you reap what you sow. Okay, over and over and over, he who is faithful with little things will be entrusted with what? Much, Right? But for some reason in our lives, we're not willing to put that into practice. And I'm not just talking financial. I'm talking about just being a good steward with everything I have, with my time, with my talents, with the ability to give and to to help people out. All of those things go hand in hand. And sometimes we ask this question, well, I don't understand why those people have more and I don't have any. Listen, he who is faithful with the little things will be given much. And I'm not talking about necessarily earthly rewards and riches. When you are faithful in your spiritual walk, remember we talked about inadequate spiritually? When you're faithful with your spiritual walk and you're going to plant little seeds consistently of growing in your relationship with Jesus, guess what you reap? You reap the harvest in your relationship with him and you grow closer to him. And as a result, listen, as I grow closer with him, then I live out what he's called me to do. Guess what that takes though? Your work and my work. You can't, you can't grow spiritually by osmosis, right? You can't grow spiritually by expecting somebody else to do all the work and you gain in it, Right? No, I plant little seeds every time. Why? Because I want to reap a harvest in my life of spiritual growth so that I'm obedient to Jesus. What's that look like? That means I need to have some form of discipleship taking place. That I got to be grown. I got to invest in my own life as well as being and relating with other people. So reaping what I sow is huge. And so here's what I want you to do. I want to wrap up with this. God wants us all to know that we have value, that we matter, that we have purpose, that we have meaning, that he loves you regardless of how others may look at you, that regardless of how inadequate, unloved, or unworthy you feel, that Jesus still came. And that's the beauty of this, this birth narrative, that Jesus came regardless of where you're at. But if you allow fear to freeze you in your tracks, you're never gonna succeed in life. And that is in everything, spiritually, emotionally. Let me, let's let use this as an example. I've heard people say, well, I just don't get too close to people because I just don't have the bandwidth or the emotional stuff to take care of. But if you're never willing, listen, if you're never willing to invest in relationships with others, you are never going to grow in a relationship with others. It's never going to happen. Do relationships hurt? Yep. Are people going to say things that you don't like? Yep, that's called friendship. Sometimes a friend's just got to kick you in the butt, right? Sometimes a friend's just got to say things. And, and if you've been in any sort of relationship at all, you would know at times somebody's just going to say something because they're grumpy, right? I mean, it doesn't take long that when I don't get much sleep and my wife says something that I come back and like, thankfully she doesn't go, you know what? Get the heck out of Dodge, Take a hike, don't ever come back in the house. You can go sleep on the front porch or in dog kennel that our dog doesn't use. <laughs> you got a house out there you can go sleep in. Now all of those things cost. And so what I wanna do is, as, as, as we've looked at this and I wanna challenge us is that we don't let fear stop us or hinder us. Listen to me, I have no doubt that discouragement and depression are a result of fear no doubt, it's fear that I'm not living up to what everybody else wants me to live up to. It's fear that I'm not emotionally, quote unquote, stable based upon what everybody else says, right? I mean, that's what they're saying. Oh, you're not emotionally stable. You struggle with depression. You're not emotionally stable. What did they say about the shepherds? (laughs) You're unstable. You're unclean. You're unworthy and unloved. And what does Jesus, or who does Jesus show up to? Right? All people. But the beauty of the story of the shepherds is that when you feel that you're at the lowest, when you feel the most afraid, when you feel the most discouraged and depressed, Jesus is basically saying, I'm for you. I'm with you. Plant the small seeds so that you can reap the harvest in the end. It's the only way because otherwise we allow fear to control us. That's the only thing that you're going to have. And so the miracle of Jesus' birth is this, that fear doesn't have to control me. That I don't have to worry about those things. So here's what I want to do. We're going to pray. Um, do you have a song? Okay. I'm going to pray. And, and because I know everybody here, um, you know, I just want to do this. If you're struggling with something and you want to pray about it, please come up here and pray with me. Or, or, or bring a friend or bring, bring a family member and you say, hey, I'm struggling with will you pray with me? Because I believe wholeheartedly one of the biggest things that we face in our life is that we let fear control most of what's going on in our life. That's why we make decisions the way we make decisions. Why? Because all of a sudden the fear has overwhelmed our heart and we have to make a, a, a gut-wrenching decision rather than being obedient to what God has called us to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your grace. We thank you for the fact that, that when we needed it most, that even though we may feel unloved, we may even at times feel unworthy and inadequate, that Jesus is still for us. And God, I know that today that there are some, there are, there are many who deal with fears. It's fears of rejection. It's fears of inadequacy. It's fears of, of not feeling love, not knowing where they're gonna make ends meet, not knowing how you're gonna provide and things like that. And God, sometimes those fears can freeze us in the tracks, but we thank you that you did not give us a spirit of fear, that we can understand that when we have that overwhelming spirit like that, that we can realize it's not you planting that fear in our heart, but it's simply the fact that Satan is at work. And maybe it's our, our own desires at times that allow us to lead us into that fear. God, I pray that just as we dig into that Luke Luke chapter 2 section, God, that you would teach us the truth of your word, that we'd understand that we don't have to be afraid. Why? Because you bring good news of great joy that is for all people, that today the Savior is here, that Jesus has been born. He died on the cross and he rose again, defeating sin and defeating death, offering us a life more abundantly. And that's the life you want us to walk in. So God, I pray today that maybe it's just a simple seed that we have to plant to be obedient to what you've called us to do. I pray that you would overcome the fears of so many that we walk in with and that we'd be obedient to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here's what we're going to do as they close with the song. If you want somebody to pray with you, I would love to pray with you. Again, grab somebody. Grab a family member say, we pray with you."